It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You may be seated. Well, aren't those some depressing verses, huh, Pastor Landon? <laughs> you don't even know the half of it yet. Here we go. So we've been in this sermon series, um, Inside Out, and we've been looking at how the Lord requires us to look at our insides before he requires us to look at our outsides. And we've seen these teachers of the law that have walked the earth with Jesus and they have actually made it about their, their outside appearance. So they've, they put roll upon roll upon roll upon roll upon roll. And so their thought was is that if a, if a roll is broken, we'll just add another roll to it. To the point where they had um, over 650 rolls for just about everything. And then they didn't just have a roll. So if your dog fell in a hole, this is a totally off-the-subject example, but if your dog fell in a hole in the Sabbath, they not only had roll 104 to handle that, they had roll 104 A, B, and C, and D, and E below it. Because if, if your dog fell in a hole and you helped it out, then that was one thing, and if the dog fell in a hole and you walked away, then you had another roll for that. And so they, they made it about their outside appearance, and we know what Jesus said about those, those gentlemen and people that were doing that. If you remember the scriptures, what Jesus said is this. He said, on the outside, they look beautiful, but on the inside, they're like whitewashed tombstones. They glow and they shine but on the inside, they're full of a bunch of dead bones. And so Jesus starts this Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, we've been through um, the, the, we started with the salt and light. We skipped the Beatitudes. We're going to go back and hit them later. But we, we've been in this scripture passage for a, a little bit of time now. And I want to remind you of a few things. Number one, he's not preaching to the entire world. Sometimes we we think that he's preaching to the entire world and we start to dream of a world that would actually live by the Sermon on the Mount. That is not the desire of Jesus. It is his disciples and those who call upon his name is who he's preaching this to. And so we come to this subject, a subject that I would much rather go to the dentist and get a root canal this morning than preach on. But nonetheless... We don't skip scripture passages because they're uncomfortable. We go after them and we learn from them. There's very few subjects that have rocked the evangelical Christianity in this world, in this country, like divorce. We hear people make dogmatic statements about it. And some of those dogmatic statements are just flat out extra biblical. What do I mean by extra biblical? They're adding to the word of God. And there's a special place in Revelation that talks about anyone who adds words to the word of God. It's called you're going to get judged. Very harshly. And then we hear people go soft on it. Which is also a problem. When it comes to the topic of divorce in Christianity, most people know one verse. And here's the verse that they know. Malachi chapter 2 verse 16. 
For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of armies. So be careful about your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Here's something I want you to know right off the bat. What God says is he hates divorce, not divorcees. It should fly. I want you to catch that. Because for so long in the evangelical congregational church, what I have heard is a group of people who have made it sound like when he hates divorce, he hates the person who has had the divorce. And that flies directly into the face of when we say, love the sinner, hate the sin. And so right off the bat, Jesus is saying, God is saying, I hate divorce. I hate the action of divorce. I hate the hurt and the pain of divorce. But I do not hate the divorcee. There's a wrestling match that happens in life and throughout Scripture. And I'm going to give you a humorous example of that, dealing with my love of peanut butter cups. I'm going to make you all very hungry this morning. At least I will be. Lately, it's been Kit Kat bars, but hey, who cares, right? Um, Peanut butter cups are bad for my heart. My doctor has told me, my heart doctor, for those that are new to Faith Church, I had heart surgery uh, June 1st um, to have a replacement valve put in. And so there I am, and the doctor tells me, you got to watch how many peanut butter cups you're eating. (laughs) I really wish he wouldn't be such a negative guy. But he is, all right? He is. Anyway, let's say one day I end up just going for it. And I eat like 100 Reese's peanut butter cups. You're thinking to yourself, whoa. And I end up in the hospital, in Reading Hospital or St. Joe's Hospital, with a heart attack. The ER doc tells me, it says here that your heart doctor told you not to eat 100 Reese's peanut butter cups in one sitting. And yet you did. And because you did, we're not going to help you here at St. Joe's or Reading Hospital. So good luck. No doctor would be able to do that because they took an oath to help people. Even if I make bad decisions to end up in that ER. Can I tell you, friends, maybe you're sitting here this morning or listening online, and we do welcome you, those of you online, and you're saying, oh, man, I messed up big time. I ate the Reese's peanut butter cups, or I got divorced. If there's one thing I want you to hear this morning, it's this. God, like that ER doctor, tells us through Scripture that even when we make mistakes and we eat the Reese's peanut butter cups, and we do not honor him. He loves us. And will lead us back to restoration. Anything short of that is not the God of the Bible. Let's be clear this morning. There are a few things that have brought me to this message this morning in fear and trembling, and I just want to be open about them right off the top. So to help us understand that, maybe you're already thought some of these things as I've been preaching, and I want you to know, so did I. So here's a few things. Number one, 
I do not want you to hear from your pastor today that divorce is a one-way street. I believe in all broken relationships, there are two that contribute to the good and contribute to the bad. Now, sometimes it's 97%, 3%. Sometimes it's 60-40. Sometimes it's 50-50. Sometimes it's 30-70. But rarely is it 100 on one end. I want to be very clear. Number two, I do not want you to hear from your pastor that divorce is okay somehow. What I'm about to share is only through years of growing and struggling, and you'll understand that comment in more powerful ways in just a moment. As every Sunday, today is my heart's desire to bring the word of God as Christ would want it to be brought. The best way to interpret scripture is this, through scripture. The best way to interpret scripture is not for you and I to sit down and say, how does that make you feel? We had a gentleman come, a church health consultant come, and he, used to, he said to us, you know, it's scary when Bible studies get together and the first question they ask is, well, what do you think this means? Because it really doesn't matter what the person thinks it means. It matters what Jesus says it means. And unfortunately, we have people who want to give their opinion of what it means without understanding the rest of Scripture, and then they have people that they lead down paths that are not healthy. With all these three points out there, would you allow me to do one thing this morning? Before we get into the meat, you say, we didn't even get into the meat yet? No, we did not. And before we dive in headfirst, I'd like to pray. And so if you could pray your heads with me, I would deeply appreciate it. Father God, you know my heart in this situation. You know what you and I have wrestled with this past week. You know where I stand. And now, Lord, I put this all in your hands. Take it out of my hands. Take my notes away from me. It is all about your glory, your honor, your praise. That's it. For Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. So we've already discovered that God hates divorce. And maybe you already knew that. Maybe you've used that against people who you know who have divorced. He hates the act of divorce. But here's the common question that should come out of our minds, right? Why does he hate the divorce? And this may shock you. The answer to that question is found in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8. Here's what it says. And I saw that for the adulteries, the adultery, all the adulteries of the faithless Israel, I had sent her away, and listen to this, the words of the Lord God himself, I have given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but she went and prostituted herself also. Ladies and gentlemen of Faith Church, you want to know why God hates divorce? Because he knows the pain of it. Because he walked through it. Because a nation that was his chose to be faithless, and chose to go on their own path. 
I don't care about what you want for my life. I'll do what I want, and you're not going to change me. <laughs> Literally, God compares Israel and Judah to two sisters who have committed adultery. The wordplay used here, this scripture passage, is literally saying that rather than, than Israel turning in repentance, they turned away from repentance and towards their other lovers. So here's the deal. Here's what's going on in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, after looking at this scripture passage this entire week. Here's what's happening. Israel has an opportunity. God has called for their repentance. God has asked them to get back on track. God has pleaded with them to please do their part of the covenant that has been made. And they, instead of turning in repentance and coming back to God, they have literally, if God is this piano on this stage, they have literally walked all the way down the block to 6th Avenue and said, basically, see ya. And so God in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, writes these scripture passages and he says, breaks my heart. But I got to break it. I got to give him a certificate of divorce. I've given him numerous chances. Now before you say God is sinned no he hasn't Israel has this is the one place where it was 100% on another person they chose to continue to make decisions that did not honor him they chose to continue to walk away from him even when he called them back so, so gently and so loving. But due to all of this stuff that's going on, I issue a divorce decree you, but please understand this. Here's where it gets really interesting. God never washes his hands of the nation. Even though he issues them a decree in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 8, says, you're still my nation, and I still love you. It's powerful. People who could have given a rip about what God wants. And he could have very easily said, see ya. But he doesn't. He gets it. So many times we miss the mark. When we're walking through some of the darkest times of our lives. But you get, you want to know something that Jeremiah 3.8 has taught me? God understands it. God gets the hurt and the pain and the sin because he experienced it himself. Because that's exactly what divorce is. It's a broken covenant. 
Again, unlike many other divorces, the fault was within Israel and Judah, not God. He remained faithful the entire time, and he even remained faithful afterwards. He does the same thing to the world after issuing this certificate. What do you mean by that? He brings this new covenant. And he bases it solely on the work of his son. And he looks at me and he looks at others and he says, it doesn't matter if you mess up royally, you're still paid for. There is nothing you can do to make me love you less and there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And to our American minds, that doesn't compute. Yet it doesn't make it any less true. Now, what happens at this time, usually during messages that are preached on this time, is, is that the pastor stops. And he brings somebody up who's experienced divorce himself, and he says, share the hurt and the pain of divorce. I don't need to do that this morning. Because, yes, I can tell you I've been through it. About 15 years ago, I was married, and while I could go into all the reasons and excuses that that was not a good idea, I'll save you the agony of those memories. Here's what I can tell you. I will never forget sitting in a lawyer's office and him telling me, I've gone through hundreds of these. Are you sure you want to go through this? Because there's going to be pain. I will tell you, he was not wrong. Pain, because here's why. Sin causes pain. There was pain of letting my parents down, being the very first one of divorced person in my family, pain of letting my then church down because I knew the damage that could be done to the gospel of Jesus Christ through my failure. Pain through having to walk through court procedures and signing paperwork to end what I truthfully entered as a lifelong relationship. And can I just stop here for one moment and say to you, those of you who have gone through this with children, I respect you. And I love you for it. This is all without children. I can't imagine the added pain of going through these deep-seated issues with children. Can't imagine it. Through this year-long process, I fought with God a lot because even though I served a church and was living in an outward appearance, remember that outward appearance? I was putting on a good one with the Pharisees. I, I was probably beating them. It became easier to put on an act than to actually lean into God's word. I remember that time. I wish I didn't, but it was the longest year. Well, it was the longest year before COVID-19 hit last year. Now I've lived the longest year of my life. 
I remember friends turning their back on me, still do. I remember people making comments about me that they heard not what was necessarily true. I remember the hurt of walking into restaurants and eating by myself. I remember sitting with my peers in meetings after meetings, rehashing and laying out my shortcomings before them. See, there was added layer of pain, and there should have been because I was in the ministry. There's a different level of accountability. And it hurt. It was during this time that I was told to take five weeks off. Stay away from the church I served. Literally, that's what I was told. You do not go to meetings. You do not go to worship. You don't go to visit anyone. You don't do anything at that church for five weeks. Find yourself another church for five weeks. Why? Because I was instructed during that time to worship at another place and actually think about where I needed to repent and seek the Lord. I will tell you this honestly as your pastor, I didn't attend anywhere. I attended David Jeremiah's church. I attended Andy Stanley's church. I attended Charles Stanley's church. That's what I attended. Because no matter where I walked in that community, when I showed up, the question was always asked, why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be down the road preaching? And I couldn't face the question. But there's something about taking the mask off and laying it all at his feet that brings restoration and healing like nothing else. So, all this to say, the reason God hates divorce is because it brings a whole lot of hurt and pain. And let me just tell you, and I want to be abundantly clear because I don't want anyone walking out of this church today saying that I didn't say this. It is sin. And the reason that it hurts and the reason there is pain is because it is sin. God never developed it to be that way. So there's, there's these two camps that were going on in, in the New Testament time when Jesus says those words that Pastor Landon read for you earlier. And, and, and I want to just say, God showed me something about his heart during this time. And his heart is not to leave us fighting in our sin, but to restore us. Before we get to restoration, again, I want you to learn two things about divorce in biblical times. Here's the two camps that were there. Letter number one is legalistic camp. Thank you for being on top of that. Rabbi Shammai. It's a legalistic camp. Now, what Rabbi Shammai believed was this. He believed that you shouldn't get divorced for no reason. He was the legalistic one. He was the one that said, I don't care what Moses said. I don't care what Jesus said. I don't care what anybody else said. If you are even thinking about it, you better stop in your tracks and not do it because there's no way you can do it. But there was a second camp known as the liberal camp. And that liberal camp was, read, was, was led by Rabbi Hillel. This is literally in histor historical books outside of the Word of God. So this isn't something that people have just made up. Do you know what Rabbi Hillel says? That if Michelle makes my toast tomorrow morning and she burns it, I can say hasta la vista. 
Husbands, please, don't do that. But Rabbi Hillel was so um, loose on it that he made up all these different things. Burns your toast, you're out. Doesn't get supper on the table by 4.30 when you wanted it at 4.30. If it's at 4.35, you have every reason to take off. Give her the certificate and get out. And so it comes to Jesus, and, 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 and so these two camps battled it out, and Jesus comes to the, to the Sermon on the Mount, and guess what he does? Yeah, I love it. He lands right in the middle. He says, Rabbi Shammai, while I, while I appreciate your legalistic view, not quite. Rabbi Hillel, while I appreciate or maybe not, your liberal view, not quite. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her a, a victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, in order to understand this, we have to, again, look at Scripture, not at, not at what we feel. But here's what, there's a longer story that I didn't have Pastor Landon read today that I'm going to read. There's a longer version, and in that version, it helps us to understand the shorter of the two versions. And so here's the version that is in Matthew 19. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Matthew 19, verses 3 through 9. Some Pharisees came to him, that him is Jesus, to test him. They asked it, they asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were so hard. But it was not to be this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. Here's some things to consider. Number one, Pharisees are concerned with the reasoning for divorce, the letter of the law. Jesus is concerned with the holy institution of marriage, people's hearts. So again, some Pharisees come, they test him. Is it lawful for a man to divorce? Haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Here's what Pharisees are playing. The Pharisees are playing the American game. What do I mean by that? Let's find a loophole. That's what the Pharisees want to play. Well, 
there's this loophole here, and this is what's going on. And Jesus says, no, let's go back to the beginning. You know, when everything was perfect? And let's look at what God designed. See, that's the, that's the call of Jesus. See, they're, they're interested in the, the letter of the law. Well, how do we write a law to make sure that this is all correct? And Jesus is saying, forget your laws. Let's get back to the holy institution of marriage. To how important it is. To how I set it up from day one. And those are the discussions that I hear today in evangelical circles. Well, that technically isn't right, and that technically isn't right, and that technically isn't right. And meanwhile, I wonder if Jesus doesn't sit up there and shake his head and say, you guys are missing it like the Pharisees did. You want to get into the letter of the law? You want to get into the loopholes? You want to get into all these things? Can we just get back to the fact that I made it to be this way? And sure, some people have eaten 100 peanut butter cups and ended up in the ER. And guess what I'm going to do with those people? I'm going to love them in spite of eating the 100 peanut butter cups. Because while I made it this way, I understand that people's hearts don't always line up because I know how the Pharisees work. Number two, Pharisees said that Moses' reasoning for divorce was a command. Jesus says, no, it wasn't. It's because your hearts were hardened. You notice that change of vernacular? You get it? You see it? Listen, listen to what the Pharisees say. Why then did Moses, why then, they asked, did Moses command why did he put it on stone? Why did he say that a man must give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And look at what Jesus replies. No, Moses permitted it because your hearts were too hardened to live by the standards that I set up. And just because Moses permitted it doesn't mean it has to happen in every situation. Twist the words. People do that well with Jesus' words. Why did he command it? He never commanded it. No, there were people that came to him and said, well, how do, why do I got to stay with this person? And so he gave a permission. He didn't command it. Nowhere in Scripture will you find that if, that if this happens, then you have every right to get divorced. And that rubs Americans the wrong way. I should have an out, man. No, 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 no. When you enter a covenant, there is no out, friends. Covenant was serious business. There was blood exchanged in the Old Testament. There was never an out. 
Until human hearts came and complained to a leader someday and said, I don't understand why there's not an out. I mean, this person's doing this, and I don't get it why there's not an out. And then that person said, that, that leader said, oh, I'll give you permission if this happens. But he never said it has to. Never. No, because God wants reconciliation. He wants restoration. And so the Pharisees, their hearts were so hardened by it that, that of course, this had to happen this way. And, 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 and again, they want, to, they want to switch just one word. They just want to switch one word. And Jesus being Jesus, caught on to it. Don't we do the same? Why did Moses command it if it's not? So, well, Moses really didn't command it. He gave permission. And what does the Apostle Paul come along and say later on? Just because it's permissible doesn't mean you need to do it. Hmm. Why would the Apostle Paul say that? Could be. Could be. Number three, because the institution of marriage is a lifelong covenant to logical, the logical conclusion then would be that in verse 9, in Matthew chapter 19, that would be the logical conclusion. Let me just read that for you. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, please understand, here's where it gets a little, a little dicey, and, 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 and I'm just going to be very open with you. There are hundreds of pages debating this, this very statement. And so I like the way one commentator said it, and his name is John Stott. Here's how he put it. After much research on what Jesus actually meant when he said these words, for us to dogmatically exclaim something about this subject without understanding the matters of the heart, which only Jesus knows, is to put ourselves right into the shoes or sandals of the Pharisees' legalistic teachings. So when we go to someone and we dogmatically say, this is wrong and this is this and this is this and this is this, we have now entered pharisaical land. Because here's why. Only Jesus knows what happened in my heart and in others' hearts during those situations. And unless you want to put yourself in his place, which I suggest you don't, you don't know. You don't know. And so John Stott says, listen, it's about driving us back. The, the goal here is to drive us back to the beginning of time as Jesus does and understanding that Jesus' interest here is not to discuss the do's and don'ts, but rather to discuss the hardness of heart that has led to so much of this discussion and leading people to reconciliation. It's the very faithfulness that he shared with Israel. He could have told them to go fly a kite. Or he could have told them, you're on your own. Instead, he lovingly pursues them as a lover even after giving them the certificate. And here's what I want you to know, Faith Church. He'll do the same for each and every one of you here this morning. 
It's powerful. God's heart is so big. Because in 2010, after a disastrous situation, here's the upside, the rest of the story. A beautiful blonde sat in Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. She prayed that she would meet a tall pastor. Seriously, a who can imagine being that specific with God himself? God, I'd like to meet a pastor, but none of these short ones. I want a tall one. In 2011, a tall pastor emailed her on a dating site. Yes, we used a dating site. And asked her to talk sometime. Because let me tell you why I use a dating site. My average age of my former congregation was 80. There ain't no hooking up when there's 80s, all right? All right. All right, so that's why I went out to a dating site, because I was like, I'm not going to meet her in church. All right, so there, there it is. And, and so we're, oh, where did I leave off here? The first, oh, yeah. In 2011, I meet, emailed that dating site, asked her to talk sometime. They and did, in fact, and meet, and their first date was at Pickles Restaurant in Emmaus, PA. They made it early. You want to know why they made it early? They made it at 4 o'clock, so if it was a disaster, both of them didn't waste their entire night on this date. You want to know what time we left that restaurant? 10 o'clock p.m. when the manager came around and said, you need to leave, it's closing time. Six hours of sitting and just sharing our hearts together. After that date, the tall pastor... (laughs) called his short mom. And if you know my mom, she is short. You, you, if you see me with my parents, you would say, how did this happen? Mom, I think I met the woman of my dreams was the next comment. That short mom said, let's chill out for a second there, tall pastor. It's only a first date. Then that short mom and short dad of that tall pastor met the beautiful blonde, and it was not too long after that they made a covenant to live for Christ based on his word, not their feelings. I want to be clear on this. This, not what all this tells us. This keeps Pastor Brett and Michelle together. Not all of this. got to get the rest of this out. Shortly after moving here, which was a whole other story, did I skip some points here? Yeah, I did. Okay, the word, not their feelings, not their thoughts, not but his word. And then God blessed them with an opportunity to move closer to family. Shortly after arriving in that place, known as Temple PA, God blessed the broken roads of their lives. And the short blonde lost a grandfather. And had we not moved, we would have been three hours away from family and not made it down here to sit with her mom and her grandfather with his last breath. And then God made it clear, God does break, or God does heal the broken roads. Then after the tall pastor, both of which being through sin, the tall pastor and the short blonde, 
hurt and pain and entered the world of foster care. And in record time, we began ministering and loving on two children who came from the very brokenness that Jesus came to restore us in, restore in us. Now we're a family, not a perfect one, but we follow the perfect one. See, God doesn't stop giving you the desires of your heart, even when you eat 100 peanut butter cups. Even when you decide that you know better than him and you're going to end what he wanted to be for the rest of your life. See, God gives. Out of the goodness of his heart, not out of the faithfulness of ours. A few things I want to leave you with, and these will be quick. If you're thinking of divorce today, can I please ask you to do one thing before you do that word, that deed? Could you please call me or email me if you're watching online? Please. Please. Because before you talk about divorce, I would really like to talk to you about the powerful institution of marriage and reconciliation. Because I have a feeling if we have that talk about what the powerful institution of marriage and reconciliation is, the other conversation won't be needed. It won't be. Number two, if you've been divorced, please know that this may feel like you're at the end of the rope. You may feel like God is saying something like, you made your bed, now sleep in it. I can't tell you how many good Christian people told me that. Let me assure you, the true God is not saying that. In fact, he's saying something here. Let my grace and mercy shower over you in spite of your sin and pain and hurt. People say hurtful things. You got to get over them. <laughs> I remember standing in my church and where I was serving when everything broke loose. I read a letter of repentance to the entire church, crying, just, just broken. <laughs> More on that later. But this gentleman comes out. And I, I want to share this with you because I want you to understand, please watch what you say. He comes out, he shakes my hand, and he goes, well, I can't come back to this church. Okay. Well, why not? I can't sit under the teaching of a divorced pastor. All right, it's fine, whatever. But I'm going to go home and watch Charles Stanley on TV. Charles Stanley is a divorced pastor. How come you can't sit in my church? It's different when it's on television. Oh. Somehow sin doesn't come through the television. I guess. Hurt. Are you kidding me? You're going to sit here and blast me for something and then you're going to go home and watch a gentleman who did the same exact thing and call it somehow fair. 
Watch what you say. It digs. When I was in the midst of my struggles, I went to see a friend and a professor of mine, and this is number three, was very honest that I wanted to, I wanted to do some things. I, I actually told the professor, he's a theological professor at Evangelical Seminary where I was going for Master of Divinity at the time. And I said, I want to I quit. I'm done pastoring. I can't do this anymore. There's no way God could use me after this sin. It was that gentleman who reached across his desk and grabbed his Bible. And I actually quoted these words because I actually have them written in my office to reread them. Brett, someday you'll be able to look at your people and hold your Bible and say, I know what it is to like to try to live without this governing everything I do. And it leads to sin. It leads to hurt. And it leads to pain. But I also know the power of which it can work when you do everything through this word. I didn't believe him. Yet here I stand today. I'm not the father of Freddie and the, and the father of Serenity and the, the husband, the wife, the husband of Michelle because I'm perfect. Lord knows they could tell you that. I am because I unwaveringly will not give up on this book. I will not give up on this book for your lives, and I won't give up on it for my life. I believe in these pages you could be changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. But you got to want it. And so here I stand. Dr. Miller was right in 2022 saying to you, I can tell you what it's like when that Bible is sitting back there collecting dust and I'm not reading it, trying to follow a relationship. And I can tell you when the Bible's opened and I'm in it, what difference it makes. So will you allow the law to push you towards the heart of God? which is, by the way, full of grace and mercy? Or will you spend your time like the Pharisees, looking for the loopholes? That's the question I have to ask you this morning, Faith Church. Will you look for the loopholes? Well, it says if I can do this, and I can get out of it. It doesn't exactly say that, but that's what you want or will you say I'm going to live by the grace and the mercy and trust in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and when he says it's a lifetime commitment it's a lifetime commitment and it's not easy 
And last, I want you to know this. Jesus will never, never, ever, 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 ever divorce you. If you've received him by faith as your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He who began a good work in you and will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to hear, Faith Church. If you've said, I do, to Jesus, he's going to go the distance for every last second of your life. But you have to say, I do. And I guess the question that begs to answer is here, are you really a part of the bride of Christ? Don't tell me about what your parents taught you. The one thing that this, this, this subject has done for my life is, is that it has separated me far from my parents' faith. Because what I learned 15 years ago was I ain't getting nowhere with Jesus on the, Kirk ta- on, the, on, the, on the tails of Craig and Lynette's clothing. And I can remember sitting in someone else's house who I had to live with for a year. In that bedroom with my Bible open and God saying, Is it your faith or is it theirs? Because look, I, I can't deal with theirs. I mean, I can, I'm God, but I, I, need, to, I need this to be yours, Brett. And so I ask you, are you a part of the bride of Christ? Because here's what he's saying. He's saying, come. Come. And he waits not with an iron fist, but a whole huge heart full of truth and grace to accept you. Understand that part. He's not waiting to slam you. No, his arms are wide open, his hands are open, and he's just saying, come. Would you just come? Would you just come? But you don't understand. I made a mistake. I ate 100 peanut butter cups. God, yeah, 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 just come. God, you don't understand. I didn't follow through with my oaths like I should have. You don't understand. No, 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 no. I do understand. Just come. Would you just come? Yes, there's truth in this. Yes, Brett Kendig, you are a sinner. Yes, you have missed the mark, and you continue to miss the mark. But my covenant doesn't doesn't demand you to hit the mark every time. It doesn't demand perfection. I am the perfection. I hope you'll come. I hope you'll come. I hope you understand my heart this morning. Before we pray, I just, I just want you to know I love being a pastor. 
when they were talking about whether I was going to continue on in ministry many, many moons ago, when this happened in my life and they weren't sure what was going to happen with me, you know what I said to the group of guys that were making that decision before I left the room? I said, you make the decision. Give me a call. And I want you to know, each and every one of you, I am not upset with you either way. I will continue to serve Christ in some capacity. You make your minds up. And I walked out of the room. And just in case you think they flippantly, our denomination flippantly made the decision, they called me at 2.30 in the morning. They started meeting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to tell me of their decision. Lots of prayer. Lots of considerations. But again, I don't share this to put my put your eyes on me or to make me look like you bad or worse than, than anybody else. I share it as a story of redemption. But it didn't happen overnight. took a lot of tears, a lot of praying, and a lot of seeking the Lord. And so this morning, come to him. No matter where you stand on this issue, come to him. Don't give up. Keep 